The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning, my friends. Happy Friday. Welcome back. As we take a few minutes today out of our day in God's Word, we're glad you're with us and hope that this time together will be a help and an encouragement as we work our way through the book of Matthew, studying the life of Christ. If you're following along with us, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 here in just a moment. I would like to take this opportunity, though, that if you are local to Bakersfield area and do not have a church, we'd love to invite you to join us. Uh, We have an adult Bible study time, and the kids' Sunday school class starts at 9 o'clock, and then our morning worship service starts at 10.30, and you can come, get yourself a free coffee. We have hot coffee, cold coffee, even a bottle of water if you just prefer that, so show up a few minutes early and enjoy a nice coffee on us, and then join us for worship as we have a great time. Uh, We hope you come. It's about 10.30. If you can't make it for any reason, uh, we do live stream that 10.30 service, and so we invite you to join us that way if that is how you are able. Again, thanks for joining us, and again, we're in Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to look at a passage that, to an extent, has become, in some situations, controversial. Controversial because you can look at different churches, different religious belief systems, and even, shall I say, different denominational systems, and they're going to look at this passage and they're going to interpret it differently. Um, I would state they're interpreting it differently because they have a system they want to believe, and then therefore, based upon what they believe, they make the scripture say what they want it to say, instead of what does the Bible say, we adapt to that. Um, I believe true Christianity, a good church, does not have a position to make the Bible match it. They go to the Bible, they fit, follow the Bible, and then match the church to that, match their life to that. And uh, so let's go through. So today I'll be a little more, I don't jump into a lot of the, the Greek and the technical, uh, and I, I'll, I'll just refer to it a little bit today, but it's important that we do a bit of a word study this morning that will give us a, an understanding of what Jesus is saying here. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, uh, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? or I, the Son of Man, am. Verse 14, so they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Catch this, Simon Peter answered. Now, if you go in, look, but who do you? The word you is plural. The premise there is he's asking the entire group. He's asking the core group. He's already gotten a bunch of answers from them when it comes to some believe you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead, some believe you're Elijah, some Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So the crowd of men is are giving back an answer from everything they've heard on their time following Jesus to this point. In this situation, Peter jumps right in. Now, if you haven't noticed this, you any study on Peter, Peter is an immensely impulsive person, a zealous, impulsive personality. By the way, one of his greatest strengths as a disciple, an apostle, a church leader, also one of his greatest weaknesses when it comes back. Now, please understand, is it intriguing? Uh, it's intriguing to me that sometimes our greatest weakness is also our greatest strength. And here's what it comes down to. My opinion, here's what I believe it is. On the, when I'm filled with the Spirit, these things become my greatest strength. When I'm right with God, following God, filled with the Spirit, obedience to Jesus, 
my greatest strengths are brought forth. When I'm following the flesh and I'm going my own direction, those things that God would allow to be great strengths then become my greatest weaknesses. Um, and so it's just an important part to be led by the Holy Spirit in that area. So Peter jumps in. He says in verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now notice this. He's saying that obviously this is not an opinion. You have been given this information. God has allowed you to recognize it. Obviously, through watching, it wasn't that long ago, we talked about the idea that the disciples were totally oblivious. I mean, they should have been, they were more concerned about food than they were about recognizing Jesus' teaching. So there's a great principle here that Jesus is pointing to Peter, recognizing the leadership position that God is developing Peter into and opening his eyes to the truth, which is not something they always had, but opening it. So Peter's acknowledging something that obviously was a divine recognition. Um, uh, see, verse 18. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys, keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. So here is the section of scripture that is what I would consider has often been controversial or I would say confusing. So here's what he says. He comes to you, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, for instance, the Catholic Church has pulled from this and said that what he's saying is, you are Peter, and upon you I will build my church. And they call Peter the first pope. They believe the papacy was established here, and that he has, and then he goes on to say, uh, I will give you the keys of heaven and um, gates of Hades. Um, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And so what he's saying is, the, the, they believe that the pope has been given divine authority and supernatural authority based upon this, what they call first pope Peter. Um, that, that's not what this is saying. Uh, and this is, you know, they had the papacy before this, but that's not what this is saying. So let's break through down. First of all, you do have to dig in. He goes, thou art Peter. Um, Peter and later rock upon this rock. They're similar Greek words, but they're not the same. All right. Um, he says, thou art Peter, uh, stone, really. Uh, it's a smaller pebble, really. And upon this rock, and really that's kind of a, a cornerstone. And as one guy described it, it's a accumulation of stones that have been brought together for a larger pillar, a uh, cornerstone, be like us bringing concrete together, something like that. That's really the better way to describe it. The Peter is a small pebble, kind of something you find in your shoe, right? A bit annoying. This rock is a larger thing. They're not the same word. While they are set from the same source, no different than us picking up a rock in a parking lot or seeing a concrete slab on a foundation. That's the difference in these words. And so if you're looking at it, you have to understand the words used in the original when Jesus stated them. So that's, that's the differences there. So then what else does he mean by that? He said, I will build my church. The gates of Haiti will not prevail against it. He's not talking about that the gates of hell and Hades will not prevail against Peter. It's against the church. Jesus is going to build his church. 
Now, the word church is from the Greek word ekklesia. It's the idea of a called out assembly. It's not an address. It's not a building. God's blessed the, the, the local church, especially in America, with buildings and campuses. Um, in a lot of the country, I'm sorry, when a lot of the world, churches are still in hiding. So that's not always the case. So his church is not confined to an address. Fortunately, today, uh, God has given us resources and buildings and campuses that we can use to minister effectively to the community. But that's not the church. That's where the church meets. So he's saying that in the community where Satan will attack, in today's culture, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So then you say, why then are so many churches shutting down? Why does it seem like Satan's winning? Because there are times when churches have just chosen to not follow God. There are times when the group of church stops becoming a church that follows God and starts becoming a group of people who just want things their way. They fight over the small things. They won't submit to any authority. They're, they're just arguing over things. They hold on to tradition. They hold on to things that are not biblically centered. They hold on to things that are personal and preferential. And they might even think that makes them more spiritual, very similar to the Sadducees and Pharisees of the day. And at some point, the church shuts down. And then they'll come back and say, well, we're under persecution. No, we're not. Um, I don't believe God's dead. I don't believe God's done in this day and age. And I've seen it as churches shut down because it's, they won't, as a group, assemble and become what Jesus wants them to be as one unified body moving forward following Jesus. So then, um, but here's the other thing. If you're part of a church, look about the power. Look at the protection that God offers for those of us who will assemble. It's one of the reasons we challenge assembly. It's one of the reasons we encourage you, if you are able, to assemble. Because there's a protection. There, there is a, a freedom. There's a liberty. There's a growth. There's an accountability. There, there's something divinely, supernaturally special about uniting with other people together. That's why God calls, he called out assembly. That is, called out from the world to assemble together for worship, for strength, for accountability, for help. That's God's design. That design enjoys God's protection. Uh, there is leadership in that realm, and they are another level of shield and protection for that church from Satan. They often deal with a lot more struggle because they are the leadership protecting the shepherd, protect shepherds protecting that church. Um, then he goes on and says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this is back where you say, we say something and we kind of have the authority in heaven. It's not true. It's not what's happening here. I, I, I was looking it up this morning, trying to find the best way to describe it. I'm going to go off what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, really what happens is it's the opposite of how it's often interpreted. That most people say, we have authority we, and we get to tell heaven what to do. Well, first of all, what, who in the world do we think we are that we get to tell God what to do? That's number one danger. So let's look at two. What is he really saying? He's saying that as the authority... We need to find out what God has already said through Scripture, and we need to implement that here. We need to implement, okay, what is happening in heaven is what we need to make sure we implement here. It's the opposite. As leaders, study the Word of God. What does God want? And then implement that in the local church. Uh, be very careful. The moment we start placing humans in this high divine level uh, really, on, on almost the plane of God, it becomes very, very dangerous. There's nowhere in Scripture that does that. And those who want to lean to Peter having a super divine natural power, all the apostles had a level of unique power and supernatural authority in Acts 2, going into Acts. But catch that. 
as they moved on, that ended. That all ended. That doesn't happen again today. Uh, the design is in that local church, and that's where God has placed that authority. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Um, give me a chance to explain a unique section of scripture. Uh, you know, sometimes you sit back and say, sometimes it can be confusing, and there's no doubt. I mean, we are all constantly studying scripture, and it's something we do. Um, and you say, I just feel like I would never know that. Well, that's the reason you come to places like this. You look at resources. Here's the thing. Don't get discouraged if you say, I, I didn't know that, or how do I figure that out? Just keep going. Just keep studying. Just keep praying, and always be learning. Again, thanks for joining us again on this Friday. Appreciate the time to be part of your day. Stick with us. We plan to be back here again on Monday and just jump in and continue through Matthew, uh, currently Matthew chapter 16. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again on Monday.